Ring around the rosy, a pocket full of posies. Ashes, ashes, we all fall down. <laughs> Welcome to the Parasite Podcast. I'm Sherry. And I'm Marie. This is part two of the episode, Opioids Kill, So Do Kids. If you have not yet listened to part one, please stop right now and go listen. You'll really enjoy the background information in part one, and it will help you understand what happens in this episode. It covers a lot of ground. There's family history, the creation and the closing of a pill mill that turned a $50 million profit, and an overview of the opioid crisis that is currently going on in America. Today, we are going to cover the murder of Kevin Lake and how his son was brought to justice. A quick warning about this episode. It contains instances of violence, murder, and lies. Before we dive in, a quick note on our philosophy. When we started this podcast, we committed to trying to bring a sense of humanity to both the victim and the perpetrator of each parasite story. We work hard to research not just the crime and circumstances leading up to it, but the people, the family behind it. It is a rare person who is a silo, all good or all bad, and we work to portray those who appear in parasite stories in a holistic manner, showing both the good and the bad that we see written about them, making each of them uniquely human. This has been a difficult task when it came to the story of the Lake family. This family appears to be quite private and Dr. Susan Lake appears to have become understandably even more private after the death of her husband and the incarceration of her son. Kevin Lake appears to have started out as a dedicated physician who was smart and, as one person put it, very kind to his early patients who resided in a nursing home. A deep dive into the past indicates that at one point he was quite athletic and enjoyed success playing both basketball and football in high school. Usually people who have amassed wealth even through illegal activities, will give back to their communities and are publicly very actively engaged within the community. We could not find evidence of this with Kevin. But we did find pictures of a man who seemed to enjoy spending time with his son, whether it be at a family dinner or at a sporting event. And Bryce, at least when he was young, appeared to enjoy spending time with his dad, too. An illicit affair, the bequeathing of the family fortune specifically to Bryce rather than to his wife, and honestly, body language viewed in photographs indicate some turbulence in the relationships at home. On the night of June 21st, 2017, Kevin was sleeping soundly in his home on Schleppi Road. This is no ordinary house. It's a custom-built red brick home with green shutters surrounded by five acres of wooded bliss. As you drive down the private gated drive, you notice the meticulous care that has been put into this property. The expanse of neatly trimmed grass is tidally fenced in. It kind of looks like it's ready for a spontaneous garden party. Off to the right, it boasts two state-of-the-art barns. The smaller barn is fitted with heated dog kennels. Inside the 5,700 square foot home, no expense was spared. The main floor boasts a grand staircase. We used to call them prom stairs. Mm-hmm. There was lots of family living space. There were custom Amish cabinets in the kitchen, hardwood floors throughout, and a screened-in porch. Now, we've looked at pictures of this house, though. It looks very much like a McMansion, mm-hmm. but inside it feels really 
cold and impersonal, like an office. And then another thing we noticed is the kitchen has all of these custom cabinets, but the closets all have wire shelves. It's very much for visitors to be impressed with. Right. I thought that was really weird. And the really odd thing is every room is decorated the same way. It's very much office decor. Every single room has the same wallpaper, the same trim, the same everything. Yeah, it's kind of a strange way to decorate a home. Right. I felt like it didn't have a lot of comfort or warmth. It would have been nice to see it maybe with furniture in it. Yeah, maybe it was personal furnishing that made it feel like a home, but the house itself was not designed for comfort, it doesn't seem like. Right, and we'll put a couple of those pictures up on our website at parasite.org so you can see them. The master bedroom is on the main floor and it looks out onto the lush backyard. There are four bedrooms, two baths, and two large bonus rooms located upstairs. That's where Bryce typically slept. But on this night, Kevin, Dr. Susan, and Bryce were barricaded in the master bedroom with guns at their sides. They were all very worried about that threatening letter because the intruder had appeared to circumvent their alarm system to take the picture of Bryce and to leave the note for Kevin. So that sounds like it would have to be someone who knew them. I would agree. spending one of his last nights at home, but he didn't realize this was actually his very last night. You see, Bryce had been a very busy boy. While his dad was busy getting in trouble for running a pill mill, Bryce had been making plans of his own as he googled information about bullets, gunshot decibels, rubber gloves, DNA, and how to disappear. Well, he did his research, didn't he? He's a smart boy, too. Now, what's happening with mom? I find it really interesting that Dr. Susan disappeared from the clinic before it became a pill mill. Does she just have really good preservation instincts? I'm not sure. There's not a lot of information about Susan. It may be that she's just a very private person, or it may be that she had someone go through the internet and scrub her name of everything but I can't find a lot of information about her. I'm supposing, well, I don't know why she left the high street clinic. Maybe she saw where things were going and she didn't want to be involved or implicated. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they weren't getting along. I know a lot of people have tried working together and they don't actually like it. Right, and I'm not sure when that affair happened, and it might be that Kevin didn't want her there. That could have gone a million different ways. It looks like, from the pictures that I can find, Dr. Susan was very involved in her son's life and very involved in family, as was Kevin. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't really have a public presence like you would think someone would have with the money and social status that they had garnered. Yeah, that's very interesting. Anyway, the sequence of events aren't clearly articulated, but we do know that on June 22nd, Dr. Susan got up in the morning and left for work at approximately 6.30 a.m. They actually have footage of her arriving at her clinic, which verifies her alibi, basically. Mm -hmm. Sometime either before she left or after, the reports vary, so I'm not sure. Some people say Bryce shot his father the night before and let him lie there while he cleaned up. 
Some people say he shot his father after Susan left. Yeah, if he'd shot him the night before, how would Susan miss that? It's a big house. That's true. That's one of the drawbacks of a big house, I guess. I mean, if they're really not getting along, and if Susan actually wasn't staying in the master bedroom with them that night, Mm-hmm. She could have been anywhere in that house. That's true. So I'm not sure. So like I said, some reports said that Bryce shot his father the night before. And that might be why he was trying to find out how many decibels a 9mm gunshot would be. Oh, because he wanted to know if his mom could hear it from another room? Right. That would make some sense. Yeah, it's hard to know. Right. But whether she left before or after, I really don't know. We know that Bryce shot his dad six times in the head and back, but his dad didn't die right away. As Kevin was fading in and out of consciousness, Bryce was ignoring him, busy picking up bullet casings, but he did miss one that was found under the bed by the investigators, ditching the gun and other evidence, and staging the house to look like a home invasion. He'd learned a lot about planning over the last few years, and he was really confident that he'd pulled off the crime of the century today. The groundwork was already laid. But Bryce was a lot like his dad. He wasn't smarter than everyone else, and he was not going to get away with this crime. He told the 911 operator his mom had left the house to go to work at 6.30 a.m. And like we said, how did she miss what was going on at home? Who knows? Maybe it happened after she left. Mm-hmm. But at 7.13, he placed that 911 call that he'd been preparing for for days. Okay, what's going on there? I heard gunshots downstairs and my dad thought it was funny. We had an intruder the other night. You heard gunshots downstairs and your dad is what? Yes. And your dad thought it was funny. We had an intruder the other night. Okay, tell me what your dad again. My dad is not responding. He's downstairs and he's not responding. Okay. I didn't through that and I, I don't, I want to go down. Stay on the line here with me. Where are you at? You're upstairs? Possibly there's gunshots fired and the dad is not responding downstairs. Yeah. Okay. Well, he hung up after you said stay on the line. Okay. You get somebody there to him. Okay, we're on the way. I'm going to try to call back. Hello? Sir, stay on the line with me, please. Where are you at in the house? I didn't hear. I'm, I'm upstairs. I have a gun and I have a knife. Okay, how old are you? I'm 19. Stay on the phone with me. I'm on, okay. Does your dad have a gun? Do you know? He's not responding. I know, but did he take a weapon downstairs? Yes, yes, he has, he has a gun. What did he take a weapon downstairs for? Did he hear something? We had an intruder a couple nights ago. Right, but... Uh, he... Well, they, they threatened us. We got a letter, and he tried to tell... Please, but they f***ing wouldn't listen. Okay, now who threatened you? We, we don't know. Okay, now why did your dad take a gun downstairs today? Did he hear something? No, we, we were supposed to keep guns on us at all times, me, my mom, and him. Okay, so you guys have guns on you at all times? Yes. Okay. 
Sloppy Road. Yeah. Stay on the line with me. Can you hear anything downstairs? No. I um I uh most I'm I'm in the corner right now. Okay, are you in a bedroom, in the bathroom? Uh, it's, it's, it's um, two two bedrooms and one bathroom all connected. A bedroom? Okay, and is it at the back of the house, front of the house? It's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's sort of in the, you get up, you need to get in the middle. In the middle of the house? Yeah. Okay. This is just so the officers know where you're at, okay? Is there anybody okay. else in the house besides you and your dad that you know of that's supposed to be there? Um, no, just my dad. You, you two are the only ones that live there? No, no, my mom went to work this morning. So no one else should be there right now? No. What kind of car should be in the driveway? Um, a black Pontiac, and then there should be a black, um, uh, truck in the garage. Black Pontiac should be there in the driveway? Yeah. Okay. Can you see outside any windows or anything? Um, I, I have two. Uh, they don't... See out? Uh, I can just see the front of the driveway. Um, no. Can't see anything out the windows? No, nothing there. Okay. And you still don't hear anything? No. Do you have any pets there at all? Um, we have two dogs out, outside. Are they barking at all? Um, no. Okay. And they're outside? Sorry. Yes. Who has? You. I didn't. Oh, you that was civic transferring me. To... Oh. Thank you. Okay. Let me know if you hear anything, okay, or see anything out the windows. Okay. Okay, I need you to stay on the line with me, and I need to make sure that when the officers get there that you put the gun away and you do not have any guns or knives in your hands so they don't think that okay. you might be the intruder, okay? Okay. Okay, and you've hollered out for your dad and he's not answering? I called out several times, no. Okay. Okay, they're on their way. They're getting there as fast as they can, okay? And we've got the medics just in case anything, anybody needs medical attention as well. Okay. Did you hear anything before your dad went downstairs? Uh, he, I sleep upstairs. I was... So you were sleeping when you heard that or you were up? You were getting ready to take a shower? I was up. I was up. I was... Gotta take a shower. My dad went back to bed down How many, in the first floor for a little bit. And how many gunshots did you hear? Uh, it went like pop, 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 pop. I think four. Okay. Okay, and you said you had an intruder the other night? Yeah, uh, he, he took a photo of me and he put a letter my dad and he told this, the cops they didn't do anything. Okay, what's your dad's name? Kevin Bryce Lake. 
Okay. And and what does he look like? Is he a male, white, black, Hispanic? Male. Um, peppered hair. Um, is he white? Um, yeah, he's, he's white. Uh, Do you know what he was wearing this morning? Uh, I, I know, I don't. Okay. Okay, do you hear anything now? No, it's quiet. It's quiet? Okay. Yep. And you're still upstairs locked in the bedroom? Yes. Okay. Where? What time does your mom leave? Um, she left, I think, uh, uh, 20 minutes ago, maybe. Okay. Okay, it shouldn't be much longer. They should be there soon, okay? Okay. I don't understand why the Lakes just stayed in the house, albeit toting around guns and barricading themselves in bedrooms, if they were so afraid about this threat. Like, they had several other properties they could have gone and stayed at. You're right. I hadn't really thought about that. It's really kind of odd. They had a mansion they could go stay at if they felt so unsafe. Had the DEA or FBI already seized those properties? I'm not sure. That's a good question. Maybe they'd already been seized, but I mean, they could have still stayed in a hotel. That's what I would have done. Anyway, according to Chris Gayton and Bethany Bruner of Columbus Monthly, the responding officers noted that the home was fully alarmed, the alarm was activated, and all of the doors to the house were locked. They noted an open window. Curiously, the window screen had been cut, but the cut pieces were flapping out, not in. It was as if the screen had been cut from the inside. That is such a common mistake. Rookie mistake. They found Kevin in the master bedroom in his bed with gunshot wounds and strangely a loaded gun at his side, but it hadn't been fired and he wasn't dead. Oh. He'd somehow survived that shooting, so the policemen quickly began first aid procedures as they waited for an ambulance to arrive. The paramedics appeared very soon and rushed Kevin off to the local hospital. During his ride to the hospital, the paramedics asked Kevin who had shot him. Kevin was alert and he tried to speak, but what came out was unintelligible. It sounded kind of like Noah or Noah. Maybe Jonah. Right, but they really weren't sure. Kevin Lake died the next evening, surrounded by family, without ever naming his killer. Back to the house, they found Bryce upstairs, shirtless and in long fleece pajama pants. They pointed him towards safety as they worked to ensure the house was secured. Bryce can be seen in news clips loping out the door toward the safety of the gathering media. I put a picture of it on our webpage at parasite.org if anyone wants to see it. According to the Columbus Dispatch, one of the local papers, one of the policemen noted that he saw Bryce throwing up in the driveway later that morning. 
but I couldn't confirm that information. Bryce's mother, Dr. Susan, appeared on the scene and talked to the investigators that morning. She told them the entire family had slept together in the master bedroom the evening before because they were all afraid because of that threatening note that had been left in their home with the picture of Bryce asleep the morning prior. Strangely, she doesn't appear in any of the newsreels that I could find. Oh, that is very strange. Yeah. She described the contents of that threatening letter, and then Bryce was also interviewed that morning, but it was after the paramedics had bandaged a cut on his hand. He said he'd picked up the knife by the blade on accident when he was hiding from the home invaders. Bryce told the officers that this was the third time that week their house had been broken into. He claimed the break-ins appeared to be related to his dad's latest convictions regarding the pill mill. His dad had only recently agreed to cooperate with federal authorities against his former partners. He complained that Kevin had approached both the police and the FBI regarding the break-ins, but no one was willing to help them. And he explained that both of his parents and he were carrying guns at all times because of these threats. After the interviews, Bryce and his mother were quickly whisked away by the family attorneys. Bryce would refuse to cooperate with the police from that time forward, and Dr. Susan would also ghost this case. Instead of pushing the police to find the murderer of her husband, there was complete silence. And when the main investigator went to Dr. Susan's house a year later to provide her with a courtesy update, he got a call the very next day from her attorney threatening a lawsuit for harassing her. That's a strange reaction from a widow. Right, but that was okay because the investigators had what they needed for the most part and they started moving the case forward right from day one. So what did they do to move the case forward? Well, Bethany Bruner of the Columbus Dispatch reports that while Kevin lay in the hospital dying, the investigators started doing their jobs and what they found didn't look good for Bryce. The sheriff, listening to what Bryce had said in his interview, immediately sent two officers to FBI headquarters to confirm Bryce's complaint. According to the Columbus Monthly, they were able to confirm that Kevin and his attorney had approached the FBI with their concerns. An intruder had indeed been reported to have left a threatening note along with a picture of a sleeping Bryce in the house during the previous night. Kevin was indeed a cooperating witness in an ongoing investigation regarding the complex drug operations in which he'd been involved, and the local authorities began to buy into the notion that this had been a hit against Kevin. A hit would make sense. It sounds like he had a lot of people who would have been mad at him. Not only his ex-employees, but also people that had been buying from him, and maybe people like the pharmacists and other doctors that were involved. And probably families of children who had died. But even though all those people were mad at him, when the investigators entered the house, they thought it was really odd that the intruder had surreptitiously entered the time before and they couldn't find a point of entrance and the alarm hadn't been turned off. Mm-hmm. And this time there's a cut screen where the intruder would have had to have a chair to crawl in the window through the screen. That doesn't seem like the most convenient way to enter. Especially if you've been in the house before. Mm-hmm. They also noted that there were no complaints other than the visit to the FBI headquarters about intruders getting into the home. But their first big break came five days after the shooting, on June 28, 2017, when the detectives noticed that the trash had been set out early for pickup. 
They took that back to the station and dug through it and discovered a piece of paper that had a cutout in the middle and the shape and size of the hole suggested it had been that selfie of Bryce feigning sleep. Oh, it was a selfie. Right. They matched the outline of the ink on the cut paper to that of the photo to confirm, and it was an exact match. Upon further inspection of the selfie, it was clear that based on the angle of the photo and the positioning of Bryce, that he had taken that picture. Oh, okay, so he had staged the break-in and the threatening note. Right, and that explains the sincerely your friend. Mm-hmm. That's a strange thing for a threatener to say. Right. A threatener. <laughs> that's a strange thing for a mysterious stalker to say. Exactly. Anyway, that made them decide to really scrutinize Bryce's 12-minute phone call to 911. They compared it to his actions at the scene of the murder. The frantic young man who was shouting at the 911 dispatcher was replaced by a calm, cool, collected kid at the scene. He appeared to be unshakable. Well, at least until the detectives asked to test his hands for gunshot residue. That would be hard to explain at 7 in the morning. Right. The investigator states Bryce went totally blank and turned white when they made this request. He was clearly shaken and he started arguing that they didn't need to test his hands because he hadn't shot a gun in a very long time. But he eventually allowed them to swab his hands. The gunshot residue test came back positive on July 17th. Okay, that sounds like pretty strong evidence. Right. So that cut screen we were talking about... Mm -hmm. The evidence did indicate that the screen had been cut from the inside, not from the outside. And it showed that it had been cut by a serrated knife, just like what Bryce had upstairs in that room where he was hiding. Oh. The investigators also recalled that Bryce had a cut on his hand the morning of the shooting, and the paramedics had been the ones who bandaged it for him. He claimed his hand had slipped when he was holding the knife for protection, but the two small pieces of latex glove that they found near the cut screen, those got tested for DNA, and Bryce's DNA was on both of them. Okay, that's pretty solid. Additionally, the family's computers were seized, which is pretty typical in investigations. Mm -hmm. Bryce's computer revealed some very odd research. His days prior to the shooting revealed the following searches. Rubber gloves and DNA. How to disappear completely. How loud is the decibel level when a 9mm is shot in the house? And could 40mm bullets be shot through a 9mm gun? Did he not have the right bullets for his gun? I'm not sure if he had the wrong bullets or if he was hoping to trick the investigators by using a different size than the gun typically takes. I don't know enough about guns to know if a 40 millimeter bullet might be bigger and actually do the job better mm -hmm. or why he would want to do that. Yeah, that's but a I, strange question. Yeah, but I thought it was really telling that he wanted to know how loud the decibel level was, which is why I wondered if his mom actually slept in that room. Maybe she was trying to provide him with an alibi. She may have been. I know she loves this boy. Mm -hmm. Other interesting documents came to light during that computer search. One was that familiar photo of Bryce sleeping that had been sent with the threatening letter. Just further confirmation that he'd been the one who took it? Right. And the other was an informal inventory sheet. Under the initials JBL, Jonah Bryce Blake, there were 10 guns listed as Bryce's. Kevin had given them to him over the years. But Lord, why does this boy have 10 guns? 
I have no idea. I know that he liked to shoot with his dad, go hunting with his dad. Oh. But 10 guns seems excessive. Yeah, I'm not a hunter, but I don't know why you would need 10 different guns. I guess because you need to spend $50 million. <laughs> Maybe. <don't> <laughs> anyway, Kevin had given them to him over the years. Well, nine of those guns were accounted for in the home on the day of the shooting. The missing gun a nine millimeter that was suspected to have been used for the shooting was found in a pond on another property that was owned by the Lake family. How did they find the gun in a pond? Well, Bryce told them the location of the gun as a condition of his plea agreement. Oh, so he pled. That was probably smart with all this evidence. Right. So the other thing they found was that Bryce was the sole beneficiary of the dwindling family trust and of a life insurance policy taken out on his father for over $10 million. Oh, so maybe his motive was that he was seeing his lifestyle quickly disappearing? And this was the way to stop that. Mm-hmm. $10 million would probably go a long way for a 19-year-old. Right. I did a little bit of digging, and I noticed that Bryce's family set a trust up for him when he was, wow, about two years old, maybe? Wow. And I'm wondering if that's the family trust because it was literally in his name. Yeah, and so he kind of saw that as his money. His money when his dad was no longer in control. I get the feeling that the dad pretty much took up all the space. There wasn't a lot of space for Bryce, even in life, from what I could see. Oh, okay. But after gathering and considering all of their evidence, the investigators concluded that Bryce's initial plan was to shoot his father when he appeared at the cell phone tower at 3 a.m., leaving nameless, faceless bad guys responsible for the shooting of Kevin Lake. When that plan was thwarted by his dad taking the note and the photo to the FBI, Bryce had to come up with a new plan, and it's the one we just described. That's a very sad plan because he played on his dad's concern for him by using that photo of him sleeping right. to try and entrap him. That's very sad. It is. It's. I think it's all a very sad story and a very difficult story. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what happened next? Okay, so they have all this evidence. On November 7th, they filed the charges formally against Bryce for the murder of his father. Now, in court, you will usually find their childhood friends, the people they are close to, that they've grown up with, and they will attend the motions and hearings that lead up to trial, usually for emotional support, but also just interest in this person's life. But he didn't seem to have anyone like that. Oh, no. There were some teens who showed up at court, but most of them did not want to be interviewed or even noticed kind of just Mm looky-loos, and remarkably, none of them seem to be standing up for Bryce. There's one college co-ed named Nadia who said she'd been in classes with Bryce and had a hard time thinking someone at their school had done something like this, which is kind of just a very general statement. It doesn't say that she thought he had good character or was close with his parents or anything about him. Mm Mm-hmm. When they asked if she thought he'd done it, she said something about having to wait and see what the evidence said. And again, it just really feels like these kids were there for the show and not really to support this boy. So a lot like we were saying earlier, it's not that he was alone or he just wasn't really connecting with these kids. Yeah, I don't think he really had any close friends. Now, I also learned that his mom didn't show up to his hearings, Mm -hmm. and neither did any of his family. 
and I did a little research and it looks like he had a lot of family around so that really surprised me me too because even though you think oh well if you kill someone's husband of course they're not coming usually we do see the surviving parents coming to court oh we've seen moms who have been shot or dads who have been shot actually showing up in court after they get out of the hospital Mm -hmm. so this is actually pretty unusual it is but then on may 22nd 2019 he pled guilty to one count of murder The motive, according to the detectives, was that Bryce resented his father for putting the family in the position that they were in following the pill mill and money laundering scandal. That makes sense. I think it would be hard and you'd be kind of mad at your dad. Mm -hmm. Maybe not mad enough to kill him, but Bryce and his mother were embarrassed and they were forced to watch the comfortable life that they had been leading disintegrate before their eyes. Now, adding to this resentment was his knowledge that he would come into $10 million on the death of his father. I'm thinking that he felt like this money would allow him and his mother to live comfortably and to kind of start over fresh. That makes a lot of sense. It's too bad the Slayer laws would keep him from inheriting. Maybe Dr. Susan will inherit that money. Well, and I think that's why we do have Slayer laws, because we don't want people to kill their family members when they become well, more valuable dead than alive. Right. Just for our listeners' sake, will you talk a little bit about Slayer Laws? They're kind of just what they sound like. If you kill someone, you can't inherit from them, and you can't get their life insurance money. And it's really sad that these laws have to exist, because it did used to happen a lot, and it still happens. People want to inherit from the person they murdered. That's so sad. It is really sad. But in this case, he was sentenced to 15 years to life. So that was only in 2019, so he's still in prison. Ah, okay. So it's kind of a sad story. And that's the end of it. Yeah, that's what he's doing for now. And his mom, I hear, has a nice place for herself to live. There's room for Bryce when and if he ever gets out of prison. She's still working and living in Ohio. I hope she's having a nice, quiet life. I do too. Okay, so I know we talked a lot about opioids. We just wanted to say if you or someone you love or even just someone you like even a little is struggling with opioid substance use disorder, there is help available. From anywhere in the U.S., you can call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration at one 800 662 4357 to get referrals to find treatment, support groups, and general resources. And you can call for yourself or for anyone else. They have English-speaking and Spanish-speaking representatives available. And we really encourage you to reach out because this can be a very hard thing to live with, but there is help available. That's good to know. Thanks for sharing that. Of course. We'd like to thank Jade Brown for our theme music and the Journal News, Columbus Monthly, the U.S. Department of Justice, the National Institute on Drug Abuse, the DEA, Prevention Solutions, the JAMA Network, 10TV, This Week Community News, Zillow, WCBE 90.5 FM, and a special thanks to Chris Gayton and Bethany Bruner of the Columbia Dispatch, for a variety of information and the pictures we used for this show. You can see the pictures at Parasite.org. Just click on the Parasite Podcast tab once you get to the website. We would love to hear your thoughts on both Parts 1 and 2 for this episode. 
Also, if you know of a parasite that you would like to see covered, please send us the name of the parasite offender and we'll look it up. Also, if you have any questions about parasite or parasite offender specifically, drop us a note and we'll do our best to answer it for you on the next show. You can reach us on Instagram at Parasite Podcast, Facebook Parasite Podcast, or simply by writing to us at ParasitePodcast at Parasite.org. And if you like our podcast, please subscribe to Parasite Podcast and share it with your friends. Oh, I'm going to CrimeCon in June. If you're going too, drop me a line and we can meet up. See you next Tuesday. Goodbye. Bye. Ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Ha, 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 ha.